Welcome, everybody. It's Mormon Talk. Baptism, sophism today. What the fuck is sophism? Well, I could just say look it up, S-O-P-H-I-S-M, or I could be nice and give you a definition if you haven't used the word before. What do you think, Dave? I rarely do. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. (laughs) The Mormons told me not to think. Oh, you're trying to get out of the habit of not thinking. I understand. Yes. Sophism, my friends, is, uh, according to dictionary.com, a specious argument for displaying ingenuity and reasoning or for deceiving someone. In layman's terms, any false argument or fallacy. Baptism, sophism? Interesting, though, Dave, because there is an analogy to it that I think is appropriate and genuine and sensible, even though the idea of it as a ritual, eh, we might disagree on the veracity of such a thing. So, lest we get off track and delve in shenanigans that spin us out of control here, why don't we... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I'm used to, so... (laughs) Yeah, no kidding, right? But We're talking about... The first principles and ordinances of the gospel. So faith and repentance are principles. Baptism then becomes the first ordinance. And that's followed by the second ordinance, which we'll talk about maybe next week. We'll see the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'll have to talk to Satan about that and see what, you know, well, put his cards in the game. Of course. Of course. I mean, we do represent, right? We've got stock in his companies, so... We, we should represent. So before we jump into all that stuff, why don't we talk a little bit about the LDS Church? Yes, sure. In the, the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. How many different, like, sounds are we going to try to create with that if if we don't entertain any of our listeners at least we entertain ourselves that's right damn it that's right we're all into the self-entertainment concept all right a couple things i just thought were pretty funny well i don't know you you decide one of them special book of mormon videos episode celebrates church's founding event what Yeah, so the church has created this series of Book of Mormon videos that are all, like, redone with better makeup and costumes and somewhat better acting. Special effects. Nah, nah, this is, this has been going on for a while. So this one is a special one where they show Moroni in his last days bearing the plates, (laughs) you know, etc. And they make Moroni less Arnold Freiburgish, you know, he's more believable, he's older, but he's still kind of like, hey, I might be old, but I can kick your ass type of looking actor. You could look Mm, this up. Anyway, it's pretty decent, actually, as things go. There's a little tidbit here I can play. He's walking through the woods. Dave. 
says about wow. AD 401. Tremendous battle at Gamora. Hold on a second. It says about AD 401 to 421 because, of course, we don't know exactly what the timing is. Uh, he just says after the big battle at Gamora. Okay, here we go. Behold the Nephites who had escaped into the country southward were hunted by the Lamanites until they were all destroyed. We don't want to get way off on Elias Church in the news here with this tidbit, but we could probably just play this eight minute and 50 second video and have an entire podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and one of the very first things that I never noticed, right? He's like, all the Nephites who fled went south, right? And they were hunted and killed. And I guess he didn't go south because he went north, I (laughs) guess. Anyway, whatever. He's eating a carrot by the fire here. <laughs> he hears something in the bushes. He quickly puts out the fire. It's actually done pretty well. It shows him being kind of smart. Oh, I'm sure, because there's a lot of money backing it up. That's right. He runs off to the side here, and then you see these these Native Americans come, and they're like, huh, the fire's still warm. He covered it. Hey, you, go over there. Let's hunt this bastard down. And he's hiding behind a tree with a knife. And my father also was killed by them. And I even remain alone to write the sad tale of the destruction of my people. And by the way, look at that sincerely. Dark-skinned people Mm -hmm. are the enemy. Of course. So this is so pervasive for so long. It is. In the Mormon church. It is. Good God. Well, and And I think I have a comment. Another one, believe it or not. Uh Uh-oh. If I'm not mistaken, in for your information. So we'll wait and see. I'm looking forward to that. This next statement is kind of a funny one. Here we go. They're looking for him right now. He's hiding. And whether they will slay me, I know not. I know not. Okay, now, hold on a second. I'll just stop here because we, like I said, we could do a whole episode on this. He doesn't know if they're going to end up finding him and killing him or not. Even though he's a prophet? Yeah, and even though he's the last guy God has entrusted to, like, bury these records and pass them on? Again, I'm going to have to do this again. It sounds like Joseph Smith yeah, that's voicing right. himself through these characters in this fictional play that he's created. Right. And they did slay him, right? He didn't, Oops, he didn't know if he was going to get killed or not, and he eventually uh, was killed, Joseph, man. right? But, you know, again... If I'm the last, essentially, prophet on the face of the earth at this point, God's entrusted these sacred records to me, which the whole future of the world's salvation relies upon, (laughs) and I don't know if these guys are going to catch up with me and kill me or not. Uh, what? Going back to your last episode, like, if fast forward today, would this Moroni buy bulletproof glass and hire a bodyguard because you know i don't know if god's <laughs> gonna protect me or not that's a good memory bro that's yeah. good for whatever last week. Yeah, I, it's, it's just like shit. whatever it's just let's be a little melodramatic and suspend people's disbelief okay the next article i wanted to bring up this is that mormon land column in the salt lake tribune most major news outlets still use the term mormon study shows despite church's Ooh. wishes 
Well, that just pisses Rusty Nell off to the fucking nth degree. Oh, yeah. I got to read this. This is by Peggy Fletcher Stack. Even after President Russell M. Nelson urged the media to use the Utah-based faith's full name and stop employing shortened forms or nicknames, most top national news sites were still using, quote, Mormon and LDS in their coverage a year later. That's one of the findings in a five-month study. Oh, my God. Five-month study of 20 websites. And how websites. many nickels were spent doing I, that? Zero. Including the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Fox News, and Forbes by Public Square Magazine, an online publication for Latter-day Saints. Ah, there you go. There's the funding. Between mid-July and December 2019, the survey found 43% of 421 articles followed the faith's preferred style. Stories that mentioned the church in a significant capacity, 265 of the total, heeded the church recommendations 35% of the time. Christopher Cunningham, a public square reporter in San Antonio, said he was, quote, surprised that even that many of the national media were respecting the church's request. <laughs> Me too. I would be surprised. Uh, he expected the number to be much lower. Of the articles that refer to the church directly in the headline, only five followed the faith style, said really? Cunningham, who Holy wrote a summary shit. of the data. Wow. Of those that refer to the church in the headline but don't use one of the recommended short versions, 83% continue to use Mormon while the remainder use LDS. Huh. Well, well there you, go. you can't walk away. How many years? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And if you look back, it's hilarious. The church went back and forth through the years of hating that they were called Mormons, embracing it, ignoring it. And then, well, he, yeah, GB loved it. Gordon B. Hinckley. Yeah, right. It said it means more good. So what the fuck's the problem? And then the next, well, two prophets later, all of a sudden Satan has won a great victory. Yeah, yeah, Satan's won. I mean, wasn't it Tommy Monson's era where the church spent millions on the I'm a Mormon thing? And Michael, uh, what's his bucket? We were talking about him in the Sweeney interview with Holland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he was the one who did the I'm a Mormon campaign. I think that was all during the Monson reign. Millions of dollars. So yeah. Meet the Mormons. Wow. And now, you know, of course, that whole time, unfortunately, Tommy's <laughs> knickerknackers were wrapped around Satan's pinky, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so, Dave, how about we spin it off in your direction with a little bit of for your information? Okay. A, a shout out to D. Michael Quinn. Because every few weeks, I have to remind our listening audience what this resource is that I'm reading from. Yes. A genius historian who studied the real, hang on, hang on, uh -huh. the real history of the church. Yeah. Oh, who wants real history? Yeah. And wrote that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm reading it. Yeah. And we are in the year, the very end of 1943. Okay. November 10th, the last listing of causes, causes, okay, <laughs> in weekly list of named excommunicants in the church news. So they not only put their names in the fucking church news, they listed why they were excommunicated. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about shaming. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Our past episode. But it's the last listing. So, see, we're waking up. We're Mm. becoming more. Can you fucking believe that? Say you go through this, you're excommunicated. They give your name and the reason why you were excommunicated in the fucking newspaper. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah, it's not bad enough. And I remember back in the day going to priesthood meetings mm-hmm. where they would tell you over the pulpit of people that were either disfellowshipped yeah. or excommunicated over the fucking pulpit. Really? Wow. I don't oh, remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Wow. Distinctly. Oh, my God. And you'd be like, oh, what a piece of shit, you know? And you probably committed more sins than this guy. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. were just better at lying. But, now, <laughs> but the comparison is there in front of you, and you can't help oh, it. Oh, my God. That. Yeah. Yeah, so okay, then you I'm have the whole... Tr- yeah. Shut this book. This shit is making me sick. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Can you even believe that? Holy shit. Uh, okay, well, hey. I swear to you, the listeners are probably getting tired of hearing this kind of thing, but every time you give more (laughs) for your information, as we progress through the years, right, I'm thinking to myself- It's going to wane. It's going to lessen. Yeah, it's going to lessen a little in at least like shock factor level stuff, right? There may Mm -hmm. be still some weirdness, but it'll be like, ha ha, you know. And yeah, shock factor still keeps coming. It's like, (laughs) all right, guys. Let's talk about baptism sophism. So again, third part in our four-part little mini-series, I guess, on the first principles and ordinances of the gospel here. We're going to start, Dave, as we often do, with kind of a quick little history lesson here, and we will try to make it quick. We're going to talk first about baptism in the world in general, very quickly, kind of lay the groundwork as it were. Well, and, the world yeah. was baptized in the days of Noah. Oh, well, there you go. See, you're already That's jumping. That's the version you're the Mormon church You're teaches, stealing some of my thunder. Go ahead. Jeez, Dave. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then mostly about people, people's organizations, religions, whatever, doing it. And then we'll jump to the church's definition of it, and then a little bit of when and how and where and what the church believes about it today and... We'll jump forward mm-hmm. and what does this all mean? You know, what about the concept of baptism as far as some of the things we talked about with faith and repentance? Is it damaging? Is it well helpful? Uh, is it yeah? Going back to our last episode, yeah. There are certain things that the Mormon church employs that are not existent in the rest of Christianity. This is correct. Yep. It's a large list, actually, and it contains a lot of ordinances. Yes. Uh, which the root word is order. So get your shit in order. Mm-hmm. You must have faith. You must repent and you must be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. So we're on number three. Yeah, that's right. This is one of the things you must do. It's not just okay to accept Jesus or even right. just obey no. the Ten Commandments, which don't include faith, repentance, baptism, really. I mean, you could argue that they kind of include faith. So here we go. A little bit of history. I know, I know. I got to stop doing the R word. Would you fucking knock it off? I know. I just, it's a habit now. Baptism is a Christian rite of admission and adoption, almost invariably with the use of water into Christianity. That's kind of where it is today, but we'll hear how it came about 
before. It may be performed by sprinkling or pouring water on the head or by immersing in water, either partially or completely. The synoptic gospels recount that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Baptism is considered a sacrament in most churches and as an ordinance in others, and that would include the LDS church. Baptism, according to the Trinitarian formula, which is done in most mainstream Christian denominations, is seen as being a basis for Christian ecumenism, the concept of unity amongst Christians, meaning if you're baptized in one Christian church, it's good for the others, right? You don't have to like be rebaptized into their church, etc. Not in the Mormon church. Oh, but yeah, anyway. that's, that's a difference, yeah. Baptism is also called christening, although some reserve the word christening for the baptism of infants, and we're, we're probably already aware of some of those. It has also given its name to the Baptist churches and denominations, yes, <laughs> because they believe in baptism, and so much that they call their church after it. That's kind of the background. Here's a little bit more. Martyrdom was identified early in church history as, quote, baptism by blood, enabling the salvation of martyrs who had not been baptized by water. Later, the Catholic Church identified a baptism of desire by which those preparing for baptism who die before actually receiving it are considered saved. Well, that's nice. (laughs) That's good. It's lenient, right? It's lenient. Oh, my God. God, push uh, the envelope. Yeah, because oh. they don't have baptism for the dead, right? So, well, he desired it, so he's he might as well have had it. And how do we know that he desired it? Well, because he right said. Yeah. Because some, the bishop knows all things. Oh, that's right. That's right. Some Christians have regarded <laughs> baptism as necessary for salvation, though others, such as Huldrych Zwingli, 1484 <laughs> to 1531, denied its necessity. That's interesting. I, okay, that's the beginning Mm-hmm. of the argument against it, its necessity. Yes. And I listened to a couple of hours of video, certain people's view mm-hmm. on the fact that it is not necessary for salvation. It's simply a rite, a rite. of passage. Yeah. God will accept you anyway, mm-hmm. but not Mormonism. No, it's kind of like... And- in that mode, kind of like walking for graduation, you're just going through the motions and the right, but it's not necessary to receive your actual diploma, right? Okay. So, a little on the etymology. The English word baptism is derived indirectly through Latin from the neuter Greek concept noun baptisma, washingism, basically, washingism which is a neologism in the New Testament that was derived from the masculine Greek noun baptismos, a term for ritual washing in Greek language texts of Hellenistic Judaism during the Second Temple period. I'm literally reading verbatim what's in the Wikipedia here, guys. Both of these nouns are derived from the word baptizo, I wash, transitive verb, which is used in Jewish texts for ritual washing, and in the New Testament both for ritual washing and also apparently the new rite of baptisma. So the idea of washing, baptize, baptizo, this word was around for quite a while before Jesus hit the scene or even so John the Baptist. Ba- yeah. Back to last week, just yeah. for a second. Mm-hmm. All this talk about washing mm-hmm. presupposes what? That you're dirty. That you're dirty. You're dirty. That you're a filthy animal 
that needs to be washed to be worthy mm-hmm. to even be alive, let alone enter the presence of God. Okay, move on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, just... it's all good. So baptism has similarities to tevila, a Jewish purification ritual of immersing in water, which shows you're converted to Judaism, but it differs because generally you're only baptized once in Christianity and the tevila can happen over and over again, right? It's kind of a symbol of commitment and so forth. So we could go on and on about the mode and the manner. I think most listeners will know that even among Christian churches, the mode has been debated for centuries, the manner. Some of that, the Christian churches of the day tried to kind of cement in stone, if you will, during the Nicene Council and similar events where they tried to decide the method and modes of things. And there's still differences. So moving through the article, which I think is really worth reading, if you're interested at all, just type in baptism in Wikipedia. Lots of good research here. There's a table at the end that I thought was interesting, David, and it'll segue us right into the LDS conversation. So there's a a comparative summary of baptism, which I think is pretty cool. It gives you the denomination in the far left column, right? Who's this about? Their beliefs, the summary of their beliefs about baptism, the type of baptism that they do. So is it sprinkling, partial submersion, total immersion, right? Do do they baptize infants? Yes or no? Is that necessary? Whatever. Do they believe in the concept that baptism regenerates slash gives spiritual life? Is that kind of like, does it have a power behind it? And then what do they base the standard on? Is it the Trinity concept or is it a split Father, Son, Holy Ghost? And this is what I thought was interesting, David. One of the things, anyway, not many actually organized religions believe in baptizing infants. Definitely the Catholics do it, but not many people do that. They pulled this straight out of their ass when they said, when you're eight years old, magically, you're going to start to be accountable for your sins. So we've got to baptize you. It goes back to Judaism, right? So eight is kind of one of the magical numbers in Judaism. When were you circumcised in traditional Judaic belief? Eight days after birth. Magic number eight. There's also things that happen when you're eight years old. Joseph definitely focused on Judaic rituals and Judaic tradition in a lot of his things that he introduced, including the temple ordinances, which were a mixture of Freemasonry, which he knew well as a Mason himself, and Judaic traditions, which he was able to study and learn not only from the Bible, but he was studying Hebrew and other Jewish stuff. Right. So again, yeah. the amalgamation. Amalgamation, syndrome. yes, for sure. So interesting. The Church of Jesus is not the only ones who believe in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost as separate, which is probably something many Mormons don't know. So the Christadelphians believe in a separation. So do Jehovah's Witness. What? Yeah, they don't believe in the Trinity, one amorphic being. They, they believe God's name is Jehovah. Well, in that so Father is Jehovah, the Son is Jesus Christ. Okay. And then there is the Holy Spirit. They are three separate entities. They're not a Trinity in Jehovah's well, Witness. I'm glad they got their shit together. Yeah, no kidding, right? At least they got something right. 
The United <laughs> Church of God believes in them as separate entities. Anyway, why do we even mention that? Because part of the ritual of baptism is calling upon the Trinity as it's an official ordinance, right? Whereas when the Mormons, as do a couple others, say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, I think spirit's a little more reasonable of a term. Don't you? Ghost seems a little cheesy. Doesn't it seem cheesy to you? Yeah. Ghost? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> It seems a little cheesy. Anyway. Harkening back to October 31st. Yeah, I don't know why they chose ghost instead of spirit. That's Let's just be different. Well, uh, yeah. ghost is the disembodied. <laughs> Those he, that show up that don't know they're dead and they still keep fucking around. Yeah. Those are ghosts. They're yeah. people who have departed their mortal realm, but are confused about what, <laughs> what's next and so they continue to knock shit over in the yeah 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 make which, noises and yeah. whatever okay. doesn't make sense yeah that is yeah. a really poor term for it, it. is yeah. and it, it doesn't make sense because according to joe jr the holy ghost has never had a body so he wouldn't be a ghost in that aspect he would still be a spirit uh, unless you confer with several of the prophets after him that can't make up their mind. Oh, I sense a four-year information coming. Yeah, yep, that's interesting. Yep. I love it. Remember all of these comments about, well, we just don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. The <laughs> because he's a ghost. <laughs> um, because they're prophets, seers, and revelators, right? They just don't know. So anyway, there's people born and raised in the church, like David and I were, and then there's others who joined later in life, right? So you didn't have this piece of it but when you're born and raised in the church or at least your family joins before you're eight right there's this dichotomy and dilemma right off the bat with some of these concepts that could be a little confusing to a child or even to an adult but especially to a child and this is part of the whole making sense out of the foolishness of the teachings that children start learning at a very young age, right? So you're eight, you're taught about baptism, you're taught that it washes your sins away. However, how can it wash your sins away when anything you did before the age of eight is not really considered a sin? That's exactly what I was thinking about this afternoon. Yeah. Why the necessity of an eight-year-old who is heretofore innocent of any offenses toward God or his fellow men, I guess. Mm -hmm. And But you must submit. Well, it's because it's not the sin part that we're talking about. It's joining the, the church, church which you on the paperwork. That's right. And now it's time to start paying tithing. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a key. Yeah. There's a two-piece requirement to officially having your name placed on the records of the church. It doesn't happen when you get your baby blessing. Sometimes mm -hmm. people misunderstand that's, that. It's not an ordinance. Yeah. yeah, that's not a saving ordinance. It's a nice thing to do. I think you have these subculturalisms in the church that have developed over the years the, and the, persisted. Yeah, and persisted and even become more stringent. And the brethren are well aware of them, but they let them continue. 
So that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, it talking makes about people smile. <laughs> the subculturalisms, <laughs> right? Think about it. So people treat, sakes. yeah, people treat giving baby blessings as they're putting the kid's name on the church records and it's this official thing and it's not. When you're baptized, that's only part one of the membership level stuff. We'll talk about part two next time, the Holy Ghost. You have to get both of those pieces. Now your name goes on the records of the church as a member. You are now a member officially of the church, eight years old. So there's the dichotomy or the confusion of this is to give you remission of your sins. By the way, you have no sin. Tilt, tilt, tilt. You know, what does that mean? Well, to David's point, okay, yeah, you have no sin. Jesus himself got baptized. He was sinless. It's to start your path as a member. Oh, okay. Starting me off. So this baptism, there's symbolism around it. A lot of the Christian churches, the symbolism is very similar and it's very obvious, right? Especially if it's a church that does baptism by full immersion, which quite a few do other than the church's snakes which is another thing that you're kind of usually not taught. We're the only ones that do it right. Well, quite a few actually do use full submersion, full immersion. Many don't, but anyway, whatever. The point is, the old man, the old person, the old woman, the old girl, boy, whatever, dying, going away into the grave, represented by the water, right? And then you come back up a new person. This is the main thing I have to share today. Yes, this is called being born again. Mm-hmm. So when you're born initially into this dimension, and I can't comment about all my thoughts and beliefs about other dimensions and past lives and that this is just what we're doing currently. People could take it or leave it, but you're in a womb that is water, water and blood. Yes. So the elements involved here are water and blood. Mm-hmm. And then upon birth, air. So think about these elements in reference to this new birth. Mm-hmm. You, A man must needs be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. I mean, that's like the most basic statement there is from the New Testament. So I was born once from my mother's womb. I was sitting in water and I popped out and there was blood. And mm-hmm. now I'm present in this dimension. But no, you need to be born again. So now you're a new person. This in is, Christ. This in is Christ. kind of a rhetorical question. Yeah, and you just said it. The water part's obvious when you're baptized. So right. there's the water of the womb, if you will. Where is the blood? The blood is Jesus, is Jesus. on the cross and in, in Gethsemane. Right. Yeah. So that's so it's very symbolic. It's actually kind of cool, I think. It's interesting at a symbolic uh, level. Somebody put some thought into it. Lots of thought, though. right? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of thought. If you think back far enough with this whole water-blood concept and the basic nature of those elements, it's very archaic. It's very... If the blood within our body quits flowing, we're dead. If there's no water, we're we're dead. dead. Yes. So blood and water are life for a mammal, right? Blood and water. 
Got to have them. Obviously, trees don't need blood, but they need water. For a mammal, well, not just mammals, I guess. Reptiles need water. They have blood in them. And figuratively, yeah. you could call what trees use a form of blood in the yeah. veins. I guess the you're right. Dry, you know, moisture carbon. from the ground. It it's water. It's yeah. essentially water, but it contains nutrients, and so it, in a sense, is blood. Carbon. It's the lifeblood of yeah. that living organism. Mm -hmm. So this is ever present and all around us. So I'm gonna rejoin the church fuck it <laughs> <laughs> that's it it just proves it's all true yeah, yeah so it's very very symbolic nobody ever talked to me as a child or even as an adult no or even in lessons that i taught because i didn't think it was really pertinent uh, this deeper symbolism per se other than just analogy of water in the womb blood etc i i brought that up several times through the church when I taught and in lessons that I heard. But let's progress yeah, into yeah. a weekly ordinance that is according to the brethren. Here, most this important is... thing that you do Here we every go, Dave. week yeah. take the sacrament. Figuratively, water and blood, even though it's bread, close enough. Yeah, the so blood the of thing. Christ, the body of Christ, you are consuming I don't know. I, I've, I've pondered it for hundreds of hours as an active Mormon. What the fuck is this? It sounds like cannibalism. I'm going to drink the blood of someone who has died and eat their fucking body. Okay, well, uh, and now I'm closer to God and I'm closer to a landing in the celestial kingdom. And yeah, yeah. I, so, I need to do this every week, every week, people. Yeah, and so, only the, the ones who have sinned, hello, last week, don't get to take the sacrament because they fucked up. So you've got the ordinance of baptism. Then you have, it is an ordinance. It is. Sacrament. And it's different. So you really, when you talk about baptism in the church, not only do you also have to talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost, because it's not complete until that piece happens. The baptism in water is just a precursor. The real baptism is to be baptized by fire and the Holy Ghost. Another so, yes. basic element. So you have point, you have yes. water, blood, and fire, right, going on here. Sounds very elemental, Sounds doesn't like it? Sounds like the end of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, so sacrament is another topic that you have to bring up when you talk about baptism, and we won't delve into it because it's podcast episode worthy by itself, the origins and all this jazz. Suffice it to say, Dave, what you already kind of alluded to, so I'm baptized, whatever, get the gift of the Holy Ghost, I'm a member now. Well, I'm going to sin, and, and that's taught as a kind of a no-brainer in the church. You're going to keep sinning, right? Although that's... <laughs> Whatever, man. We talked enough about but that. Nobody else knows unless I talk to the bishop. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> when you sin, now the church teaches that the sacrament that you take every week, to David's Wash point, that shit away. is yeah. like being re-baptized, like you're yeah. renewing your baptism. So rather than the church lining up and everybody dressing in white and getting redunked every week, which some churches do, by the way, not the Mormon church, obviously. Rather than doing that, which is kind of impractical, not to mention a little unclean, <laughs> especially for the last guy who gets baptized <laughs> after everybody else, uh, it's looking a little murky in that water. 
but so let's not do that. Let's do the sacrament, which is our what? version of being What's rebaptized. That on the <laughs> is that oh. a baby Ruth? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's let's do something more practical. Let's just use fucking bread and water. Okay, good. And the sacrament, and yeah, it started with wine. Most churches still use wine. Because uh, it's red. Because it's red, and so it's a symbol red. of blood. So, um, again, water and blood, you're renewing your commitment to Jesus. You're renewing your baptism, so to speak. And you can literally, the moment you take the sacrament, be forgiven. Well, this is interesting. This just popped into my cerebral cortex. The first miracle recorded According to the New uh-huh. Testament, was Jesus turned water into wine. wine. Water to okay. blood. Let me share for just a minute. Yes. My take on this whole thing is, again, at a spiritual level, I would say the real act of being born again, what I see is being born into this reality and this dimension, three-dimensional dualistic mindfuck that we're doing currently is interesting enough by itself to be born again into a church, Mormon church or otherwise, with all these rituals and this is a double mindfuck, okay? The real new birth is to wake up. Yep. And to truly be born again. In other words, you are fully awake. You see what the hell is really going on. I've referred to it in several podcasts in the past. I'm not Mm going to carry on too far. That, to me, is the real new birth. So I will dispense with a reading from Yogananda. His words are beautiful. My God, this man... I don't know where he came from, but beautiful explanation of the metaphors, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you will, between the physical things that are happening and the spiritual reality behind it. A man, a woman needs to be born again, wake up. So we die a little bit every night. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, well, what? What the fuck? Yeah, you're in a state of consciousness that's really close to death. Yeah. And you wake up every morning, unless your system's all fucked up and you wake up at night. Yeah. And you're born again. And I think that whole system is to remind us to wake the fuck up. Hello, Neo in the yeah. Matrix. Yeah. Remember the, the scene when he's down in the fluid yeah. and all these cords are attached to him and he bursts out of it. And he takes he was, his first breath he, of real air. He was right. Born again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I Not fake air. Yeah. No, it's, it's a great segue because as we wrap up the ideas that we wanted to talk about in the episode, I, I come up with three kind of final thoughts. Okay. The first question tied to the thought is this whole concept of is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? This whole baptism in churches, whatever. And, and I see both, right? I see the analogy or the metaphor of baptism is pretty cool, I think. It, 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 it's actually, yeah, yeah it's actually it's kind of neat. I like it. It's the teaching behind it that's 
precarious. Right. That's the bad part. And some churches look at it a lot, I guess you could say, more lightly than the Mormon church. Uh, it's not necessarily even required for a right, lot of Christian salvation. churches. Yeah. It is something that kind of is treated as required. You have to have it happen at least once. For a lot of churches that are in the kind of this Epicurean movement or coalition, if you will, doesn't matter what church you got baptized in, that counts, right? The fact that you just did that. And then the Mormon church, of course, being the extreme example of not only is it absolutely mandatory for salvation, it must only happen by the proper authority, which is only held by the Mormon church. Okay, so yep. again, a comment on the extremity mm -hmm. of Mormonism. Yeah. They're on the outer fringe, man. I don't know. Is there anybody else that's that extreme and stringent uh, about the man? Yeah, I mean, you know, other than like the JWs and they're close and mockeries and they of religion religious. like Scientology, which aren't really religion, they're more of a club. <laughs> Um, mindfuck, mindfuck club but yeah yeah there's not a whole lot and then other cults right there's plenty of examples of sure. moonies sure. and and you know some of these other cults out okay. there that are kind of mindfuckery yeah. but yeah it, it definitely they're in a how about a group of their own and then in that group the lds church has some pretty crazy shit that's unique to them so good and bad i guess is my take on that as far as baptism as a whole it's not a terrible symbol it's kind of a shame the teachings that are taught around it and how it's tied to this constant repentance and shame and other stuff we've talked about. The other topic I wanted to bring up at the end, or one of the others, is this idea of, is it another abusive element, or is it kind of neutral, or is it even positive for members? Let's talk about even adults right so never mind the fact the verbiage around it in the church is the eight-year-old is making the decision to actually join no. the church officially no they're not and no, they're i not. would say resounding no that's not what they're doing they're following what they're told to do and they're in a in a situation where it's kind of no decision really <laughs> plus to your early point dave they don't have a fucking clue What's going no. on at eight years and, old? Uh, by the way, yeah. getting immersed in water, like going swimming, is refreshing. Yeah. Or it could so be now traumatic. They, the, they yeah. come out, they go, oh, that was so great. Yeah. And now I'm going to dry off and everybody's going to hug me and high five me or whatever. Yeah. And oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, take pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the church has changed over time, as with everything. Not so much the phrasing of the baptism ordinance, as much as they used to immediately do the confirmation right after the baptism. And, now and they now wait. It's the, usually they baptize on Saturday and, and then Sunday morning. The next day, right? Yeah. So for 24 hours, you're kind of half a member, I guess. <laughs> Or you're clean, but you could sin before the Holy Ghost has a chance to help you. <laughs> I don't know. It's this weird it's this weird dilemma. And they do it so that people can see you being given the gift of the Holy Ghost because again, visual leading the cult, you know, leading people's thoughts, whatever, man. So here's the last thought, Dave, and I, I know you have some thoughts around this before we wrap this up. How do you look at it now as a concept? 
when you're questioning the church or you're in the process of leaving or you've left, wherever you sit as a listener to our program, do you look at baptism differently? What do you think about it today? And my thought goes immediately, Dave, to what you just said, right? Which is, as you are questioning, as you are leaving, and when you finally leave the church, you are, quote unquote, baptized to a new life. And that's kind of how I think about it. There's nobody coming by physically dunking you again. But internally, which is, I think, where it matters more, you're kind of starting this new life. You're putting okay. away old Again, thoughts. Again, back to, to yeah. my favorite phrase, a paradigm shift. The yes. way that you look at the world and yourself in the world and others around you has shifted. Yeah. And for the better. Mm-hmm. For the better. Yeah. So it's kind of like, hey, welcome to your new baptism, right? As you That's, it, leave this. It's beautiful. And it is an immersion. I... Uh, Speaking personally, the experiences that I have gone through would qualify as a full dunking. And by the way, (laughs) I don't know why I thought of this. If you get baptized in the Mormon church and one hair on your head did not get immersed, Mm -hmm. we got to do it again. That's right. Because that's important. My God. I mean. It is. And this speaks to the anal (laughs) retentive (laughs) fucking shit that goes on because God is so much that way. He's like, no, I love all my kids, but one hair stuck out. So fuck you. You're not really (laughs) baptized and you're going to burn in hell forever, but I love you. Yeah. And I used to look down as an active Mormon, the whole sprinkling thing with the Catholic church and stuff like that. And I was like, really? Well, it's it's water conservation. Yeah. Right. It's easier. (laughs) It's quicker. Right. Not as traumatic, especially for smarter than we are or the Mormons are. We're not Mormons anymore. No, I try not to be. Who cares? (laughs) You know, the one hair, five hairs, or a finger, right? And it's funny. Wait, you see <laughs> middle finger? Why was there middle finger shooting up? There? Why was there a finger at waist level coming? What the hell? <laughs> Hang on. Did you put your white clothing on or are you naked? By the way, so the Israelites passed through the River Jordan yes. on their way to the Promised Land. And I think this is where it basically started. Mm-hmm. They passed through the living waters, by the way, of the River Jordan. And so what was created thereafter were mikvahs, which were basins of water, and they were meant for cleansing There was no talk of baptism or a necessary ordinance. It was a cleansing, Mm -hmm. basically taking a bath. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. People probably figured that out pretty early on on the planet. Dude, holy fuck. When's the last time you bathed? Yeah. Clean societies anyway, right? Yeah. We could talk about some of the embarrassing, embarrassing, uh, quote unquote, lack of progress even with some european cultures that didn't Woo! discover bats while the is that Asian, your new yeah. perfume or did you shit your yeah. pants <laughs> <laughs> yeah while the barbarians who lived in the far east were some of the cleanest 
cultures with bathing and yeah anyway whatever we, i digress but yeah ironically yeah, right yeah. yeah yeah you know it's interesting and of course the judaic uh, traditions would continue this quote unquote walk across the jordan with uh, uh some rituals it's still very active it's yeah. still very active they have a whole at the head of the jordan river as it were there's this place where people come and they're mm-hmm. baptized and well i've got to do it the way jesus did it right is that a reliable account again i think the ordinance itself is awesome it's kind of cool yeah. it's just the teaching around it that it's absolutely necessary for salvation and again why do i need to be saved and saved from what yeah myself or from you you fucker <laughs> Damn. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy your baptism. Enjoy your new life as you put to bed some of the old teachings that the church forcefully shoved down your throat. And you actually take that breath of air as the embryo sac breaks. <laughs> right. And you experience things. There it is. And- there it is. All the different analogies and, that and could by ensue. By the way, I, that was the first time I saw an elderly man naked. Uh, and you, you're like, what? <laughs> when I was baptized, it was dumped uh, by my grandpa. And we were drying off together after the baptism. And there he was, yeah. buck ass, fucking naked, yeah. next to me, which is weird. Yeah. Why didn't we have separate Stalls. places yeah. to dry? off after the baptism and it yeah. was not really a, <laughs> a moment i want to talk about too much yeah talk about disturbing <laughs> yeah yeah trauma okay yeah. that's what i'm gonna look like in 50 years all righty all right <laughs> <laughs> take care guys Bye-bye. bye bye